Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome again to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. I want to thank you all for tuning in and listening and and supporting the show and and just, you know, I so appreciate all of your fabulous emails, all of your comments, uh, and all of your questions. And we continue to set up programming that is going to meet your needs, what you're looking for. So stay tuned. Fasten your seatbelt, actually, because we have got a phenomenal year of programming planned for you. Believe me, everyone from John Holland to Olivia Newton-John, it's all happening on the Dr. Pat Show. If you want to find out more about what we are about and what we're doing, the best way to do that is to go to my website, which is www.thedrpatshow.com, T-H-E-D-R-Patshow.com. You know, I have to tell you that I have been... Uh, struck by the the degree of conversations that we're having these days about the mind. Now, if you're someone like me, you've kind of been uh, immersed in the power of the mind for a number of years. But for many, many people, this is new. Why is this new? Well, it's new because I think it's being presented in so many different ways. For example, the movie The Secret. And as many of you know, Larry King had those folks, some of the teachers that were on The Secret. If you really want to hear some of the interviews I've done, just go to my website and then you'll be able to to listen to those interviews. And so here now we have this teaching that's been around for a while, hitting enough people so that the questions are being asked and the answers are being provided. How powerful is the mind really? What do we know about it? Well, I've decided that I'm going to continue to explore what the powerful aspects of the mind are. But more importantly, why the heck, if it's so powerful and, as people tell me, so simple to get our thinking straight, why do we continue with the same, same patterns over and over and over again? Well, I've I've decided that one of the folks that I wanted to bring to uh, to to the, the show to talk with you is my guest today. This is a man that has been talking about the mind for over a, almost two decades. But more importantly, what I love about what he's doing, he is one of the leading the leading neurologists in the country. I'm talking about Dr. Pasipaletti. The book that he has written is A Neurologist's Guide to Happiness. The title of the book is Change Your Mind. And so we're here tonight to talk to an individual that is the director of neurology, a clinical professor at MSU, and the author of this book, Change Your Mind. And what I'm struck by is we have someone that comes to us as a physician as a doctor, as someone that, you know, works with all sorts of people with neurological issues, with issues of the, of the brain, with illnesses happening. And here he comes with a book that says Change Your Mind. And today we're going to talk about changing your mind. But more importantly, as I've said before, this show is about making sure that you have the tools that you need to change your life. Change your life. And so we're here today with the, the good doctor joining us, and we have got a lot of questions. 
Thank you so much for joining the show again, Dr. Pasipaletti. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very hectic schedule. Thank you and good evening, Pat. Well, good evening to you. And I'm very delighted to be back on your show. Uh, last time I enjoyed it very much. Oh, we had a great time last time. I have to tell you, you know, I picked up the book and I'm reading the book, and uh, and I and, and I read a lot of books, and it I had to keep going back to remembering that this book has been written by a doctor, someone that deals with brains, that deals with the mind, that deals with the, the neurological conditions of people, and yet you seem to have crossed a bridge that some people think is out there between the medical profession and the spiritual community. How did you do that? Well, since childhood, uh, I had the interest of uh, finding, like, different religions. In India, we have all the religions, uh, you know, people living side by side, just like here. And I used to think, when I was a kid, how come, some, you know, Christians, they pray to, you know, uh, in the church, and why a Hindu goes to a temple, why a Muslim goes to, you know, mosque, those kind of questions always kind of queried me in my brain, but when you go to these uh, gurus, they just uh, have one track mind and they just uh, talk about only one religion. So I started exploring uh, different books. I used to go to library, read on uh, Islam, read on Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, so on and so forth. So last 30, 35 years, I developed this interest. And then I realized that the more you learn, about different religions, you realize that they all have same common, you know, uh, principle or teaching. Just like if you look at a garland, you have different color flowers, but they're all held by one single thread. Same thing with the religions too. That's how, even though I became a doctor and then neurologist, that actually helped me understanding the brain and also understanding the spirituality, the religious side. So what I realized that neither religion nor science alone can answer all the questions or concerns or problems human beings have. Well, you know, what you're talking about is something that many people intuitively believe. And even though we're divided into you know, segments of what we practice and how we define spirituality, you know, there is uh, this common thread that crosses across all, all cultures and, and, and all spiritual bases. And for, for a lot of people, I'm not going to say for everyone, you know, we all believe that there is a power greater than ourselves. Oh, absolutely. I do agree with that. You know, we can call uh, different names, but the person is same. For example... If you're, I know, if I, if somebody can call, you know, like, like your children, they can call you mom, or your husband can say honey or pet, a friend can say something, but no matter what the name you, you know, they call you, you are still the same person. Same way God too. What I believe is that there is a, you know, like you said, supernatural power. I call laws of nature. That is what really controls everything, and everything is according to the laws of nature. So we call Rama or Jesus or, you know, Allah, like, you know, Yahweh. So it doesn't matter. But the problem is now, 21st century, people, even though they know that they forget that, that's what I'm trying to 
remind people in my book, change your mind means don't have any preconceived notions. Don't look at a garland, oh, it's beautiful, has different flowers, different colors. Always learn the knowledge or, uh, you know, insight that you look at the thread that is holding the flowers. Unfortunately, most of, you know, as you know, as human beings, most of our wars and even before, not just now, they're all based on religious beliefs, crusades and all that stuff because it's lack of, you know, knowledge. It's their ignorance that their religion is superior or their God is superior. That's what I'm trying to really kind of, uh, you know, fill the bridge, you know, gap, build a bridge between different faiths. How, how does a neurologist, you know, wake up one day and decide, uh, I'm going to write a book about happiness, and so I'm going to write a book about the power of the mind? See, well, for the last, uh, let us say, 18, 18 years or 19 years so far, even before, as a general practitioner uh, back home, I just, you know, when a patient comes to me, when they talk to me, and when I make the diagnosis, I don't just give them a diagnosis and say, here is the medicine, take, go home, and come back in three months. I always kind of go in a philosophical side, tell them about the realities of life, facts of life, and a little bit on the spiritual side, just to touch their inner soul, and just make them aware, and just bring little bit awareness in their inner soul, inner self. I have been doing this for a long time. That's why a lot of times patients come to me, you know, even though I tell them you are cured, then they say, don't you want to see me again? Don't you like me? I said, no, you are cured. You don't have any more headache, migraines. So come, come and see me when you have migraines again. But sometimes people just come once a year just to see me, talk to me. They say that, well, after talking to you for 15 minutes, I pick up energy and I feel good and this is good for me for next one year, I'll see you in a year. Why is that? Because if you don't have that kind of approach with patients and people, you know, uh, uh, that's what I learned. So, you, you know, you just don't give them the diagnosis or the medication. You tell them the spiritual aspect, other aspects also. That helps a lot. Then I realized that being a neurologist, brain has a tremendous, tremendous power, healing power. Because this was proved by many institutions, including Cleveland Clinic. They took cancer patients. They divided them into two groups. Both groups got their uh, chemotherapy, but the one group, they, you know, they were uh, engaged in uh, like meditation, yoga, exercises, and spirituality, prayer, class, you know, those kind of uh, activities. And the other, the other group just controlled just chemotherapy medication. What they realized, what they found is that the people who have these other things going, they felt much more better, you know, they felt better, they needed less pain medication, they were more active, they were uh, more hopeful, they were more positive in their uh, thinking. So, this is not just me. I think now everybody is all, the, even the medical profession, realizing that mind has a tremendous role to play uh, in our, uh, you know, daily life, even on our physical body. Well, you know, you're bringing up a very, a very interesting point for a lot of our listeners. And yet at the same time, there are millions of people that have not been 
presented with information that would say to them, you know, there are ways to integrate different aspects of healing, and the mind plays a very, very powerful role in this. Some people say, Dr. Pasipaletti, some people say that you can actually uh, heal yourself, but more importantly, we have to be mindful because there's a notion that we actually bring the illness on. Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. That That's the power of the mind is is beyond anything that any of us even really know, that we are, that we are creating the what's happening to us in this material world. Oh, absolutely. Even Mayo Clinic also, they acknowledge that. You know, they had uh, articles about the power of brain and the power of mind. And actually, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, recently, like January 29th issue, Time magazine, they actually had dedicated the issue to the brain, how the, you know, how we know a little bit more into the brain and, uh, they, you know, like a user, gu user guide to the brain for a common person, non-medical person. It's really a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, there are different experts, neuropsychologists and neuroscientists, experts who are, who dedicated their life 20, 30 years understanding the brain. They have articles about, you know, the mind, consciousness, happiness, everything. And then when I read that one, I was kind of uh, happy at the same time tickled because I have been preaching this and uh, I even wrote two books about the, you know, power of mind and brain and how you can, by simply changing your thinking process, you can become content. My motto is, or my preaching is, be knowledgeable and you can easily be on the path of contentment. That is my motto. Well, it, it's a model that so many people, um, I think, are longing to, to adapt for themselves. I mean, I've talked to my listeners about uh, the kind of year that, that I think that we're engaging in and what's going on this year. And on the Dr. Pat show, we've talked about this being the year for expansiveness and the idea to really take action, you know, to take action on our, on, on our own behalf. And for people that have not been able to take action, this is the time to really look at some of the, the, the stories that we're carrying in our mind that hold us back. I mean, don't you explore this when you, when you start to talk about um, the definition of happiness and the power that we, can, that we have to create happiness each moment? As a matter of fact, Dr. Pasipaletti, as a matter of fact, I have to say this to you, and um, and I, I believe that you know my a couple of my friends are listening to this show. The last time you were on the show with me, yeah, you gave our listeners a tool, right? And I have been doing it every day. Not only do I do it, but I call my best friend every day, right? And I say to her, I choose happiness today. Absolutely. Every day. Doesn't it make a difference, though? It's days? huge, huge difference. And I'm aware some days when I wake up, and I wanted you to talk to this issue, I'm aware some days when I wake up, and I know that now I've been practicing this. Oh, it's been months since you and I have been on the air. Right. But imagine I've been practicing it every day, and there are some days where I will wake up and my mind will snap into place and say, you're not really happy today. Why do you want to talk about this? Don't bother saying that today. 
And I know enough to not pay any attention to that. But there are things that we tell ourselves day in and day out that just cause us to be stuck. Oh, you're absolutely right. You know, we are human beings. We have emotions. As you know, even our blood pressure, pulse, heart rate changes every minute, depending on our emotions. So there is no way you can be happy every minute of your life. That is not the you know idea. Because even if you are like that, actually, you are probably abnormal. But the thing is, you exactly said the correct thing. Some days we feel blue. Some days we feel down. But... Instead of dragging the day like that, whole day, and get a migraine headache, and when you get up in the morning, you know, you just say to yourself that I choose to be happy. I'm sure that the amount of, uh, you know, like sadness or depression or low energy, it won't be that, you know, striking or that hard. That is the idea. For example, if you take it in a, like a medical condition, let us say somebody has diabetes. Right. And their blood sugar fluctuates, they, they, you know, change, you know, they go up and down. And even if they are taking medication, still, depending on their activity, depending on what they eat, the sugars can fluctuate. The idea of exercise and watching your diet, all those things, it doesn't mean you are curing the diabetes, but you are controlling the diabetes. So by saying to yourself in the morning, when you get up and say, hey, I choose to be happy, and I am unique, right? Yes. And I have the ability to choose. If you say to yourself, at least you, you get some control over your emotions. See, that is the, by just thinking that you trigger certain hormones in your brain, and this is not just a theory, because... We have what we call functional MRI now, means the MRI scan will just show which areas of the brain are working depending on what you think. They also mentioned that in the Time magazine, they brought monks, you know, Buddhist monks from yes. uh, uh, Tibet with the help of Dalai Lama. And they, they studied their brains here, why they are content. Of course, they are disciplined from, you know, whenever they chose to be monks. But when they go in the tube, their brain areas that are responsible for happiness and contentment, immediately they light up. And this is real. This is in the Time magazine too, you know, this article about the user guide to the brain. Well, it, it is real. It is real. And, you know, the reason that we're able to, you know, we, people have been talking about this for decades and decades. Now science comes along and all of a sudden, it's able to show us that, oh, lo and behold, we can actually control, well, control, is that the right word? We can choose. Yeah. We can choose. Right. We can choose the temperament that we want for the day. And it affects our physical, uh, our physiology. Oh, yeah, your health, definitely. Because let us say you are a negative person, you look at the, you know, the half glass, the half empty, instead of half full. And let us say you are, uh, um, let us say you don't pay attention to your body weight or, you know, improper diet and all that. These people actually develop physical illnesses much quicker than people who are content, happy. You know, they also did this in a psychology uh, magazine I, I was reading uh, for the research. They said 
when they studied the you know at large scale across the country when they studied people who are happy why they are happy because most of the time their thoughts are positive their attitude is positive they try to help other people they are eager to help other people they are less greedy and they are less selfish and it is you can say well that the possibility is very hard no it is not you know you know let us say you have 100 dollars you don't have to you know donate or uh, give to charity 90 dollars no even if you give 1 dollar or one uh, quarter or one penny whatever that makes you feel good and immediately your brain shows that so my uh, teaching is you know what i said in the book is change your attitude change your thinking process your mind is operated by brain and your brain has the it is like a master computer for your whole body and so, where and you know what and and we we sit and we think that we do not have control over this that we sit and we think that we are victims of our circumstances there's a chapter in your book and I want to remind everyone that if you're listening to this show you are listening to the Dr. Pat show I'm the host of the show Dr. Pat the silly and my guest today is Dr. Possipoletti we're talking about uh, uh, his his latest book uh, neurologist guide to happiness the book is called change your mind Now this book uh, how can people get copies of the book let's make sure we let people know Sure you know they can go online and uh, you know I have website changeyour-mind.com they can click that one and they can buy online or they can go to amazon.com they can get the book or barnesnoble.com any major bookstores like Barnes Noble or uh, Borders they have the book Oh great and and you know right when you know you go to the second chapter of the book <clears throat> and you talk about money and desire and pleasure right and it it seems like when you look at all of those together money desire and pleasure mm-hmm. it it it's, it looks like all of this is you know an insatiable appetite that we have sure yeah. where we cannot get enough money we're never sure if we're ever going to fulfill our desires and we're working too hard to get any pleasure at all you but know, we've created that haven't we <laughs> you know everything is everything is uh, you know we created everything you know yeah, i know even if you know you know the america has you know in america more than 90% are christians right yes and you have the lord and you have the trinity you have the lord and you know the um holy i mean holy ghost and also the holy spirit and the jesus even here people you know the pleasure i know even uh, jesus if you read jesus sayings preaching what does he say you can create heaven on the earth you yes that's right or heaven somewhere else that's what i you know that's what i say in the book why it, it is like this you have you know something to eat in your hands you forget that and you look at elsewhere to find food or you have your glasses on your reading glass on your you know forehead and you look all over the house or all over everywhere but they are always on your head mm-hmm. same with pleasure too what i'm saying is there is a pleasure happiness center in the brain all you have to use use it how can how do you use it any time you think it lights up i'll give an example as a brain da, a brain specialist yes people sometimes 
in accident or with a disease like gangrene or something, they lose the arm or leg. I'm doing actually right now, I'm writing an article about this to medical, you know, medical journals. Uh-huh. It is called phantom limb. Phantom limb means when the arm or leg is amputated, patient still feels that he has the limb. So sometimes even they feel the same gangrene pain in that limb, even though it was amputated. Why is that? Because the center that that has this imprint in the brain, that doesn't go away. It's still there. So if you ask the patient, imagine to limb, you know, uh, to raise your arm or leg, whichever was amputated, just think of it that you are moving it. And when you do the functional MRI, even though there is no limb, by just thinking, they can trigger or stimulate that area of the brain. See, that is a proof that thoughts alone triggers the brain areas. For example, so pleasure thoughts or positive thoughts, they can make you feel, you know, feel content and happy. And that, and that's the power that we're talking about. Yes. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. I mean, what do we know now about, about the brain? Do we, do we actually know how much of its potential we, we use? I mean, do we know how yes. much do we use? I know there were some numbers that were thrown around a, a couple of years ago, and I'm just wondering if we have gotten some I clarity on that. One. Actually, though, you know, even when I was a medical student, <laughs> my professors used to tell me, and my teachers used to, that we use only 10% of the brain. Right. That is a myth. Mm-hmm. We use our 100% of the ba- brain. What is the difference then? A person who is achieving something or versus a person who has negative things and all that. We have, like for example, I mean the whole brain, as you know, it is only like three pounds of, uh, you know, like wrinkled tissue in the body. But it controls everything from your toenail to your hair follicle. The number of cells we have in the brain, there are you know, what the main cells called neurons, and then we have other cells also. The total number of cells are like one trillion. Out of that hundred billion are neurons. To tell you, you know, to give you the example of power of the brain, if you take one cc of brain tissue, it has one trillion connections. Oh my gosh, yes. Mm. Just one piece of brain. Right. So, how does this help? Because person who is really keeping his brain active, he is making more and more connections in his brain. That's what it is. The more connections you make and the more imprints you make in the brain, they register in your brain. So, it is like you, even if you have only $10 to save per month, if you deposit in the bank, over a period of time, 10 years, 20 years, with interest compound interest and all that, you have more money than what you think you have. Same way with the brain. So the more network you open with all these, you know, we talked about the exercises last time. Yes. So if when you do these things, especially like, you know, I'm glad that you do this in the mornings when you get up like what I, you know, we discussed last time. You are actually opening these connections. And you know, another second secret is, the more you open now as a middle-aged person or, you know, young person, it is like your deposit because the more you exercise your brain that way, when you get old, 
your chances of getting Alzheimer's disease is less. Dementia is less. Well, and I think that that's a point that, that is very, very important to make because we're hearing more and more now about how we can, whether we're a young person or whether in the middle of our lives, but how we can choose to keep ourselves active, not just physically, but mentally. And yet we have seen as a pattern, especially I think here in this country, you know, a pattern where we've gotten used to working really, really hard, and then at some point in time we get into this place where people call it retirement, Right. And, you know, and from that has been, and what I see as an old connotation, because I don't believe that's true anymore, but what's happened is you go into this place where you go from a very, very busy active life, perhaps, you know, you're trying, uh, your, your brain is working all the time, your mind is constantly going, to a place where some people feel like they are in between. And so, you know, we're going to continue to talk about this, Dr. Possibility. We have a, a caller calling in today. Sure. Why don't we take that call? Who do we have on the line? Linda. Oh, hi, Linda. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Um, I just wanted to make a comment and also ask a question. Um, Pat, you mentioned earlier about um, where you heard about changing um, your day when you get up and you say, I have a choice. And yes, I have to tell you that she does that every morning. She calls me in New Jersey from Seattle every morning and says, I choose happiness every single day. Oh, that's my best friend, Linda, joined us today. I thought she was from New Jersey. Yes, that's yes. it. Yes. Yeah, I remember I've... that because last time, you know, you said you first you were skeptical about these uh, uh, findings about the brain. And then uh, Pat told, uh, Dr. Pat told you to say aloud, and you did that one, remember? Yeah, I choose happiness every day. Yeah. Yes, and she calls me every day, and she says, I choose happiness, and she has me do the same thing. And it does, in the beginning, I thought, okay, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? <laughs> and, then, and, and what happened is, is I ended up finding that I was doing the same thing. Now it's three hours difference, so it was I was already at work, so I it was very helpful because it would change my attitude for the day. Correct. So I, I appreciate that, and I thank you for giving her that tip on on doing that because it's also changed my life. But I also have a question for you. Um, I have a niece who they say is ADD or ADHD. Um, no one's really been able to define which one she is or isn't. And um, she's on medication for it, and she's been on medication for many, many, many years. I don't think she knows what it's like to be off the medication because she was so young when they put her on it. Then you talk about changing the mind. Um, her mindset at this point is that she can't focus and she needs her medication to help her focus and all that kind of stuff. What is it that I could do to help her change that frame of mind? And, and I guess the other question is, I'm concerned about the medication because if she's never been off it, how long does, you know, they've changed it from Ritalin to Adderall, and I would like to see her get off it. And if there's something that I could do to help that, can you give me any suggestions? That's a great question. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, this is a problem in our country, by the way, you know. You know, that, you know, uh, I don't want to get into trouble with the psychiatrist, but as, you know I was a psychiatrist uh, first, and then uh, became you know went to neurology. So I have both psychiatry as well as neurology and electromyography, three yes. specialties. Yeah. 
um knowing the brain knowing psychiatric diseases uh, i always argue with uh, my colleagues and uh, at seminars and uh, you know at um, annual meetings i think this attention deficit hyperactivity disorder is overrated you know a lot of times the psychiatrists or neurologists when a kid is jumping little bit up and down they automatically say he has attention deficit disorder and they put them on ritalin exactly and we there are many many studies showed that people wrongly diagnosed and started on ritalin they can have seizures they can actually manifest neurological diseases and i am a firm believer even let us take my practice with migraine headaches or seizures or anything i always encourage the patient not to take the medicine i not that every disease we don't do that and i want to be cautious here yes certain diseases only not i don't say don't take medicine for heart i know heart problem or not that's not the idea right concept is just to give an example right now i have a patient in the hospital i admitted him uh, monday why because this gentleman is in his 40s has headache for 20 years he went to so many doctors and he came to me about a, two years ago i gave him all the traditional migraine medications and he him and his wife come keep coming saying that he still has headaches and i offered them why don't you go to anarbar or you know henry ford which are closer to us uh, to a headache clinic but his wife says i don't think they do anything by, you know more than you do so why i admitted him is <coughs> in the hospital stopped all his medications all the pain medicines just watching him and since monday today is wednesday he just had only one headache today and that too i and i told the nurse they call me can we give demerol this and that i said no just give him extra strength pain now the reason i am telling you that is most of the time medications itself cause problems in her case in her niece case if she you know if we can help her in two ways one you can maybe cut down the medication dosing let us say she is taking twice a day maybe take only once a day probably it looks like she has you know kind of mental dependency on that medication yeah that, and i think that's the point i mean it sounds like and linda I, i'm hoping you're still there it sounds like that um after after a while especially if a young person has been on the medication and has been quote categorized as yeah. add or adhd yeah. then what happens is every time something is not achieved you know whether it's a grade that isn't achieved or a room that's not cleaned you know there's this there's this this category to fall back on that says oh well you know she's add adhd almost as if we don't expect her to do it or you know maybe she's not getting enough medication linda are you still on the line yes yeah. well, uh is that what's it's happening well and it's interesting you say that because um she is at the point now where she says well she needs more so what they yeah. did instead so that of means that's why she is depending on those medicines thinking that medications are the one making her day or go you know uh, making her life but that's not true uh, there are only very few medications probably we need badly when we get from you know medical illness most of the medications are over medicated and lot of times i see patients for dizziness and uh, you know the off balance or blurred vision this and that because they are on 20 30 medications 
So when I recommend to the primary doctor that, that you know patient may be taken off this, taken off this, taken off this, when I see them three, four months later, they say, hey, I feel much better. <laughs> so in her case also, what she, you can do to your knees, probably, you know, slowly wean her off. Maybe, you know, if she's taking that medicine all her life, you don't want to do it very fast. Maybe you can do it like every, maybe half a tablet every two, three months or another half tablet in two, three months, so over six months or so, she can come off the medicine gradually. Second thing she can do is, she can get reinforcement from her family, relatives, friends, and if she thinks she doesn't have enough concentration, best way, you know, I tell my patients, especially patients with Alzheimer's and other diseases, what I tell them, I do myself in my middle age, but I am still... Whenever I have little time or when a patient doesn't show up or you know, when my secretaries are putting the patient in the room for a procedure, I go to my, you know, I go to my room, I have a, you know, the computer, I have these games, it's called free cell, one, you know, that, I like that one, because it actually, you need a lot of your uh, concentration to solve that free cell. I have been playing that for years. Now, my children and anybody who come and see me doing that, they say, why you are, aren't you get bored? Why you are doing this? I tell them, this is my brain exercise. You, Linda, you know the game Free Cell? Yes. Uh -huh. Anything. I'm just giving my example. What yeah. I, yeah, yeah but I, I totally busy, agree with you. You know, I am busy from morning till evening. I see patients. I talk to families. I teach doctors and lectures whatnot. So I, I think I know that I have enough uh, exercise for my brain. But still, I know that there is infinite potential for the brain. So why can't we open up more and more network? So maybe hopefully when I'm 70 or 80, I hope I don't die, I know, die with dementia, <laughs> Alzheimer's. That's my hope at least. Because that's the worst thing to have. You know, your health is fine, but your mind doesn't work. You don't know who you are. Then there's no point living. You don't know that you are living. Hmm. So for your knees, I think that is the best thing you know, uh, to do. But again, make sure that uh, her psychiatrist or uh, neurologist knows about this and make sure that you do with the help of a physician. Okay. Because the, the thing that just happened recently is the doctor had increased her Adderall. Yeah. And I... And you I... know, that is, uh, that is one thing here. They keep on adding or increasing medication. Yes, they do. Yes. I mean, uh, you know, I am sure that you guys... Uh, watch the news on TV, one of the doctors in you know, New York, he was from Harvard, one of the pediatricians, his, uh, you know, go, I mean, his agenda is to find, you know, to make sure physicians don't, mis don't do mistakes because I think per year, one million people, patients, really, affect from uh, uh, wrong medication or over medications, you know. Mm -hmm. So, thank you, Linda. Thank you. Thank you for your help. Thank, thank you. you. Okay. Check in with us. Let us know how your niece is doing. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. You know, Dr. Pasquale, thank you again. And again, and I want to mention to everyone that um, you are listening to the Dr. Pat Show. I'm here with the author of Change Your Mind: A Neurologist's Guide to Happiness. Uh, and as uh, as you'll read in the book, uh, Dr. Pasquale is the director of neurology at a teaching hospital and a clinical professor at Michigan State, board member and local. Community and Medical Society, assistant editor for the uh, County Physicians Magazine. He has written, as we've said before, many articles. And again, he's getting ready to do another art, a research article. And um, he, is, he is really an advocate 
for at least the people that come in contact with him to really step back for a minute and make sure that what we're doing is we're, we're using all of the potentiality that we have, all of what's going on in our minds so that we can actually create a life with the results that we desire. I mean, in the book, there's a chapter on actions and their results. This is such a very important chapter. And um, I wanted to ask you, when you wrote this chapter, what were you hoping uh, the, the message to be? Basically, um, what I want to achieve in that uh, chapter is, you as a human being has the freedom or free ability to choose. So don't think, you know, just don't do action and expect, you know, always one way. You, you know, it doesn't happen that way. According to the laws of nature, it works. So if you prepare for that, and when you execute an action, let us say you, ha you have you won million dollars in the lottery, once you know the action and result concept, you don't jump, jump up and down. And at the same time, we all face uh, tragedies, we all face up and downs in life. And it's not just, you know, um, just ourselves, because we have family, you know, we have a relationship. So it's always a struggle. Life is always a struggle. So when you have these ups and downs, you don't go into deep depression and you don't give up. Once, that is the reason why I wrote that, uh, because a lot of people ask me, I, from different angles, for example, from Hindu religion, they say, hey, isn't it because God is making me to do this? You know, that type of question. Yes. Or somebody else say, hey, my impulse made me do this. Or some, uh, some people say, well, I think we all do this, that type of thing. So yes. I said, well, actually every chapter I wrote in the book, somebody asked me questions. So I wrote down, jot down all the questions, otherwise I couldn't come up with that many chapters. Somebody say, argues about God, somebody argues about universe, somebody argues with creation. So I wrote, jot down all those and uh, basically for the last 20-30 years, I, because I have read so many, you know, different religions and the science and all that stuff, then I said, okay, I can at least I can explain logically about action and results. That's how I came up with that chapter. Well, I think it's it's an important chapter because I think so often, uh, and I'm you know I'm I'm just like everybody else. You know, you'll you'll run into something in your life, a result that you didn't want, right. and it's very easy to stop and blame that on someone else. Correct. And uh, you know, the, uh, the thing that I think I walked away with in this chapter and throughout the book is that each and every one of us is accountable for our lives. Absolutely. And it's time to really, you know, really step up and and own that. But at the same time, when you wrote the book, Change Your Mind, you also uh, point out to people that there are many, many tools, many things we can do, many ways that we can really mentally create the lives that we want. Yeah, you know, I can give you another example, you know, from medical point of view. That will uh, make a uh, little bit more clear to the listeners. Uh -huh. You know, as a neurologist, I see a lot of stroke patients, right? Uh-huh, right. Stroke patients, every day I see stroke patients. Different, uh, you know, damage, you know, different uh, paralysis, some mild, some moderate, some severe. 
at the same time when when we are a people with coma you know some, sometimes they are in coma for a month and then gradually they wake up and all that stuff i had actually a kid who went to graduation with his friends and they had drinks and they were involved in car accident and that was beginning of my practice in 1988 and this kid was in coma they called me because he was having seizures continuously so then they called me stat and i went there and he was only 16 year old kid and my father was a pharmacist and they came from uh, one of the middle eastern countries and they you know his uh, aunt is a neurologist in uh, detroit so on so forth and that is very first year of my practice after coming out of the fellowship and this kid i thought he was seizing so long i thought his brain is going to damage because of bleed in the brain and all that stuff yes and the family is so encouraging they come and pray for him and his aunt was calling me every day how is my nephew bababa and i treated him my best to stop the seizures i did right away stop his seizures and all that to my amazement 3 4 months later he started not only he was off the ventilator and he was he went to rehab then he was discharged one day in 1990 he came to my office with his uh, mother and father i did not recognize him and uh, he still had little bit slurred speech slow speech but he started going back to college that is the power of brain that is called neuroplasticity that means brain has the ability to reorganize even if one area of the brain, you know, brain is lost due to stroke or some hemorrhage or something but the surrounding brain cells take over some at least not the 100% at least some function of the the area that lost the function that is called neuroplasticity when i saw that kid it was so i mean not good for the family but it was a wonderful experience for me because that really that that moment onwards i was reading about more and more about this neuroplasticity and all that i wanted to make sense out of this so i mean that from then on i was a firm believer that yes brain even in you know in olden days professors used to teach teachers that in the medical school that oh when you are old your brain doesn't have the capacity to regenerate okay reorganize that is a that is false now we know that it is it is not true until you die your brain does i know it has the capacity or capability to reorganize the functions we lost so i and i, I and now scientists are proving neuroscientists are proving every day you know that in london that is a breakthrough last year one lady after accident she was in coma right yes and uh, they sat me i mean they put her in the functional mri tube and family uh, family sat next to her and talking about the familiar things she was like the her her room or... yes 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 remember i mean, we yes and we see this all the time in in movies i mean it's actually it quite controversial now. yeah so that is a proof but we you know i have been you know i am a firm believer that i have been uh, teaching my residents about the neuroplasticity and all that for years but i am very excited because all the things you believe they are coming true with uh, science you know Well, and you know, isn't it interesting that belief isn't enough? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Isn't it interesting that that belief isn't is enough? 
just like God, right? Our yes. Society is now like show me the God, otherwise I don't believe you. <laughs> well, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> and you know, what if all of us truly believed that we can create the lives we want? What if we truly believed that we can live in a world without war? What if we truly believed that we could heal our bodies? What if we truly believed that we could live forever? I had someone comment to me about a week ago. Uh, we were talking about having you on the show and uh, about the book. And I had been talking, and I would said, you know, I had interviewed uh, the doctor before, and the book really uh, will get you pointed in the direction uh, as you uh, get to choose what you create. And so the person kind of, you know, it's real flippant said to me, well, why don't you ask the doctor if it's all in our mind, then why don't we create immortality? You know, one thing, you know, if it is all in our mind, that is true. But as you know, the geriatric research believes that by uh, slowing down the antioxidants, that's why we take a lot of uh, antioxidants, right? Yes. And we eat green vegetables, green tea, um, you know, um, pomegranate juice, all these antioxidants. Like that's right. I've got a whole shelf in here full of them. <laughs> you know, grape juice and whatnot, right? Yes. But the geriatric research is very exciting because they think or they, they are, I uh, you know, they strongly believe that in next decade or so, you know, you, you have to realize that, you know, from mortality, mean average before was like 58 or so, two, three decades ago. Yes. Now for man, 75, for women, 78. Look at that. I know. So, probably in a, in a decade or two, probably mean, mean age is like 90 or something. Immortality, you cannot. I'll tell you why. The, the, that is the only thing you cannot do with your mind because you have to understand this is the loss of nature. Anything that is born has to die. Mm -hmm. That is the law. In other words, anything that has life, it doesn't matter even if it lives, let us say, for even mountains, as you know, mountains also slowly, right? Yes. They also uh, lose the height and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But the, the person who asked you that question, he has to realize that anything that has life has to die. Mm -hmm. That is the loss of nature. That you cannot change. In other words, can you change the earth gravity or the direction of earth rotation, you know, <laughs> uh, around the sun? You can't. These are the laws of nature. You cannot do that. Well, I think it's a very interesting question. It was certainly an interesting question when he presented it to me because uh, it really it, it leaves a door of possibility open. I, I think that for so many people, and as my listeners have heard me say before, there is so much we don't know. And as you've just said, there is so much that we're discovering right. in science. And there, there are some folks that I've interviewed and doctors that I've interviewed that believe that once we discover all there is to know, if that's even possible, right. you know, right. all there is to know about the science of who we are. Probably stem cells, you know, the, you, you, you know, interesting point because, you know, there's so much debate and funding issues going on in the, you know, White House and also. Oh, oh, right. Stem cells. Right. If and when 
these stem cells really in you know practicality because we still don't know exactly we know how they work from the embryonic cells or you know from the fetal tissue or umbilical right. cord or bone marrow all these things when we put that into practicality and let us say your uh, somebody's uh, pancreas is uh, degenerating because you know a cancer or uh, some other uh, infection that's right and they can uh, regenerate another pancreatic tissue and probably if they keep on you know when i was in medical school fine finally every year you have annual celebration and one time i remember very well there was a play in our uh, annual uh, you know function it's called spare parts human spare parts a very comedy kind of uh, funny show funny play the um, bottom line is human you know like uh, replacing every part that is damaged that's right this was uh, i'm talking about in 1975 years 31 years ago so you got a very interesting point i think your caller was also you know bringing interesting uh, question i don't know but by law whatever you know the whichever has birth or life has to die that is the law of nature but who knows the stem cells if they work you might able to you know replace every organ in the body <laughs> then you are like a plastic surgery you know exactly <laughs> you get to be you get to be the <laughs> that's it you get to be the the plastic surgeon of your own reality <laughs> well <laughs> you, you know that just a thought but yeah maybe yeah um who knows <laughs> well maybe. i i love the fact that we're asking more and more questions yeah. i mean I, i think it's so important for us to to really live in the question to really to really challenge our own our own convictions to look at the world and look at our lives through the lens of a child almost through the world of unlimited possibilities i mean when you decided to sit down and write the book change your mind uh you you had to be thinking at some level that there are so many things that we think are not possible today that if we just created a shift a shift in our thinking a shift in our attitudes we would actually create a shift in those negative beliefs absolutely that's the exciting concept you know if you live forever but the only problem is that is if everybody lives forever uh, the planet earth can only you know uh, i don't know the weight of the <laughs> weight of the population and all that stuff i don't well know. it'd be a very crowded place for sure <laughs> well thank you so much for joining the show today Sure, sure. I really appreciate it. And again, I want to mention to everyone out there that the book is Change Your Mind uh by Dr. Pasapoletti. There is uh there's much in this book. As a matter of fact, I read all of the books that that I receive uh for the Dr. Pat show. And what I found with this book, there are a couple of chapters I've had to go back and and read again because some of these are uh some of what you've written uh it is very thought provoking and i want to thank you for bringing bringing the conversation to the table sure thank you so much for inviting me again and i'm looking forward again to you know to be on your show in the future oh you're welcome i want to thank it's everyone here you know, thought provoking like you said these kind of exciting uh, conversations really bring some awareness to the listener we we have to bring the awareness to the listener i mean look what's happening to the many many people 
that are that are taking conversations out there about alternative health. Well, honestly, it isn't alternative anymore. We've now changed the name to integrative, and now we're moving to functional, and pretty soon there won't be any blurred lines between what we're calling conventional and what we're now calling alternative, but it's up to us to bring the conversation to the table. Absolutely. You are absolutely right. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pospoletti. I want to thank everyone at BBS Radio for doing what they do so well, pushing all the buttons, making us sound great, and to keep the flow and the vibration of radio moving. So thank you, everyone, for listening to the show, everyone out there. And remember, as we've said before, what if you were to wake up tomorrow and the first thing that you would think is, I choose happiness today? All right, I dare you to do it. Until next week, this is Dr. Pat Basile. Make yourselves a fabulous week. Good night, Dr. Pat. Good night, Dr. Pospoletti. Have a nice evening. You too. Bye-bye.